0: Brian Nichols you're a great man with some great ideas a great podcast do you see why he's my favorite libertarian people (laughs) yes he's full of common sense and wisdom Brian Nichols here on the Brian Nichols show Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. Today, I am joined by easily one of the best of the best, Matt Kibbe. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show.
1: Hey, Brian. It's good to be with you. By the way, let me take a step back and say I love what you're doing. I love the conversational style, and it's a combination of good fun and serious ideas. I love the fact that your show's doing what it does, and and this is how we win the future.
0: The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest-growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about Hey, what's up, folks? It's Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Hope you enjoyed last week's episode with Nick Gillespie. I know I did. It was a, a fantastic interview, very enlightening. And I think we got to know Nick a little bit more than we uh, we did before, so that's always good to hear. Uh, but this week, we are joined by Austin Jones. Now, Austin is a co-founder of Atlas Arms and their Dagny Dagger project. So, essentially, what um, they're doing over at Atlas Arms is helping circumvent the existing laws that are in place to allow law-abiding citizens the right and the ability to create armor-piercing bullets uh, through, again, all the legal loopholes that are existing today. So, uh, with that, I want to have Austin on to discuss the Dagny Dagger Project, which is one of the main focal points of Atlas Arms at this moment. Also, if you wait until the end of the episode, you will hear a very in-depth video discussing Atlas Arms, the Dagny Dagger Project, and give you a little bit more insight into it. But, with that... Austin Jones from Atlas Arms here on The Brian Nichols Show.
1: Thank you uh, very much for having me. I'm uh, glad to be here.
0: Absolutely. I'm I'm glad that you were able to uh, take some time to join me on my show today because I I think truly what you're doing over at Atlas Arms is a very important uh, mission, uh, especially in the the same vein almost as what we were doing with Defense Distributed from uh, Cody Wilson. And we'll discuss obviously the differences in a second down the road of your, your two companies. But first I want my audience to get to know who you are. I I always think it's very interesting to find out how my my guests got to where they are in their their politics but also their professional careers. So with that, Austin, if you could give us some um, a little bit of the the background of your your you know growing up into the liberty movement and obviously that led you to the venture that is Atlas Arms today.
1: Okay, right. Um I uh I grew up in I guess you could say a conservative household. My parents uh were they come from a fairly meager background they often struggled to pay the bills and get by um when they were when they were younger um and uh i don't know we achieved a, a good financial status when i was a kid probably but but we weren't we still weren't too wealthy my dad um my dad had a, a good job at a tv studio but he actually used to be a a, a cop before he quit which i think is quite interesting in some of the material we'll talk about later. Uh, my mom was an accountant um, and uh, yeah, they're very conservative. So I kind of grew up with uh, with a conservative way of life and, and values. Um, but, uh, oh, I don't know, in, a, I guess, early high school, I started to realize that I wasn't I wasn't really gung-ho about what the, I don't know, con- conservative culture was at the time, very heavy uh, you know, neoconservatives, pro-war imperialism, that kind of thing. And so I, I just kind of shied away from that. Um, I identified very much with kind of paleoconservatives, you might say, along the lines of good old Calvin Coolidge and um, and uh, Rand Paul these days uh, back then. And uh, mm-hmm. I think slowly my my views became... Um, well, I would say, as I went through high school and then into university, I experienced a kind of um, conversion process where I became more and more um, coherent uh, with with the basic values that that I found to be to be true and just and that kind of led me to the point where i'm now my politics are kind of anti state now. You could call them uh, anarchist, I suppose, but I think really the the most important. Distinctions or the most meaningful distinctions of my politics. I would say first, I'm an anti-federalist. Uh, I throw myself in with like George Mason and uh, James Madison and uh, Thomas Jefferson, right? And then I'm I'm an individualist. And of course, the name of my company is inspired by by uh, Ayn Rand's beautiful novel Atlas Shrugged, as well as as the the project name. Um, and and so by the by the end of university, I, I was. I was just in the state where uh, I, I have kind of full abandon and I've, um, I don't know, somewhat rejected standard back and forth um, establishment politics.
0: Gotcha. And let's um, let's kind of dig into your professional background because um, leading to what you're doing now over at Atlas Arms obviously it requires a a lot of know-how. So let's talk about your professional career that's led you to uh, where you are now over at Atlas Arms.
1: Sure. Um... I like to tell people I think I was born an engineer. Uh, that's just kind of how I see the world, I think, in terms of like creative problem solving and, and, uh, especially when I was younger, I tended to think of people as just machines and society as like, a, a, I don't know, a mechanical system of sorts. And, and that's just, I, I don't know, been my, my native model of the world. And I, I've refined that a lot. And, uh, and, you know, I'm I guess you could say I'm a humanist now um, and I, I think about ethos and stuff. I'm not just like a robot, but but that's kind of how I naturally think of the world. And I've always excelled at kind of I don't know what you'd say, like spatial intelligence, uh, mechanical problem solving. Um, so I went through university uh, in aerospace engineering because I always I loved space. From the time I was eight years old, uh, I wanted to be an aerospace engineer. Um, I thought I thought uh, fighter jets, warplanes were really cool, and they are. Uh, um, and I love space. Uh, I wanted to, to work in space. I wanted to be an astronaut at one point. So I went to school for it. But you know, w- with my ideological conversion going on throughout um, throughout university, I realized by the time I graduated that. Um, I didn't want to go work for the military-industrial complex, and I didn't want to work on warplanes and killing machines that are going to be, you know, that are now responsible for killing who knows how many kids in the Middle East right. or whatever. So, you know, I, I didn't work for Boeing or Lockheed Martin like all of uh, my my classmates, and I kind of had to find my own career path. Lucky for me, a guy that I had known since kindergarten, uh, was on the U S national Taekwondo team. Um, and, uh, was very familiar. He actually quit because of a problem in Taekwondo these days, though it's an Olympic sport. Uh, these, uh, 2020 Olympics will probably be the last Olympics year for Taekwondo because of how it's scored. Oh. And, uh, yeah, the, the electronic scoring system they use have really broken the sport. It's it's really terrible. So, you know, you can look more about that. But the, the, to cut to the chase, um, he k- recruited me uh, to be the chief engineer in a project working to replace the electronic scoring system for uh, high-level competitive Taekwondo. And uh, that, the company we founded is 2020 Armor. And I uh, worked on that for about two years and moved the company to Canada uh, we're shipping products around the world uh, now, and and uh, by all respects, that company is has made it as a as a hardware startup, which is quite an achievement. Um, but uh, I I left the company after kind of accomplishing my part of it, everything that that I could do to develop it, um, and then uh, I worked. I went to work in Las Vegas uh, for Bigelow Aerospace. Uh, and my part of that project was to to help design the micrometeoroid and orbital debris shielding uh, for soft-bodied spacecraft. The idea <laughs> is that these – That's just
0: – you say it so nonchalant. It's just, that's just – that's well, very impressive.
1: <laughs> I mean, well, the, the idea is that you can only ship so big a volume up on – into space on a rocket. So the, the spacecraft we were working on, they get into orbit and then they inflate. So that you have a much larger volume uh, than you can actually carry on the rocket. Um, so we were using soft armors to uh, to, to armor the spacecraft uh, because orbital debris, um, you know, space junk, uh, These these particles are moving 6 to 12 kilometers per second, which is way, way faster than any bullet in any gun has ever traveled on Earth. So, um, yeah, and because it was soft bodied, that really applies, uh, to, to the soft armor, uh, that, that, um, that pistol armor is, you know, p- pistol body armor is, is today, uh, like Kevlar based textile based, um, uh, ballistic protection. So, uh, through 2020 armor, uh, and, uh, and my work at, at Bigelow, I have a really good background now in, um. In body armor and and how to stop really fast projectiles before before they damage stuff, <laughs> and of course, if I know how the shielding works, then then I also have a good idea about how to penetrate those armors intentionally.
0: Right. So that that what a segue you set me up. Perfect. So that's uh, let's let's lead to the next um, question, which obviously is going to be Alice Arms. This is your newest venture and uh, your your first real um, product development is the Daggy Daggers. So. First, if you could describe Atlas Arms, and then let's dig into the Dagny, Dadger, uh, Dagny Dagger project, and uh, we'll discuss the, uh, the the technology you were just referring to and how that applies there to the, the project itself.
1: Okay, um, I'd say Atlas Arms, uh, so named again for for Atlas Shrugged, um, is uh, as we exist now. We're a nonprofit firm. In fact. It tickles me pink, I have to tell you, and all the Libertarian audience, uh, that I have this beautiful piece of paper from the IRS that tells me that I'm exempt from, t- well, tells our organization that we're exempt from taxes as a uh, 501c3 research company. Um, so uh, what we do is we research uh, arms technology, specifically small arms technology, uh, and uh, we publish that, that research to the public. Um and uh, our motto is small arms for the smallest minority the smallest minority being the individual we develop arms not for the military like most of the weapons industry but specifically to arm and empower individuals uh our our operating strategy is to invent weapons technology that makes it very difficult for the state to regulate and restrict access to these weapons uh, by individuals.
0: Okay. So, so now this is going to lead to obviously a big philosophical question. I say that because a lot of the people on my, my show obviously are libertarians who who listen in, but also a key group, my audience is people who are maybe a libertarian curious, or they just want to hear a different side of the political spectrum and the arguments being made. So when they hear that, I'm sure a lot of people are thinking, okay, timeout. Why does anybody need a and in this case it's going to be the damn dagger which is an armor piercing uh, projectile. So why on earth would anybody need that as an individual? You know, you don't need to go hunting. You, you know, do you really need to, to defend your house? So to, to somebody who's asking those questions, what's the uh, the usual answer that you'll give?
1: Yeah, right. Well, I mean, first I can I can play it all institutional and and practical and say, "Well, uh, First of all, I I am happy. This is the first time I've I've ever announced that uh, we are are sure now that our our um, the way that we're loading our cartridges they will be the lightest nine millimeter cartridge on the market. So first of all, that's really good for um, that's really good for carrying, right? If, I mean, if you've got to carry less weight around, so I think there's a, a market in that. Uh, also, these are ultra lightweight, but still very the, – the way that th- these work, um, they are uh, the same things that make the um, – I'm sorry. The same aspects that make these projectiles easy to penetrate armor also reduce recoil. So that's, that's good for people that can't handle much recoil to, uh, to carry for personal protection. Um, then we get to – I think there's a big market in private security. Uh, So for instance, people who drive armored trucks uh, and other things, they are not allowed uh, like governmental uh, security is to 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 possess or I I shouldn't say to possess their their supply of armor piercing ammunition is restricted. So, um, you know, it's, it's really cheap in America to buy body armor, especially pistol rated body armor. Uh, and so surely people that, uh, people that carry a gun for their livelihood and are liable to face such threats um, would, uh, would probably consider carrying this to, to better defend themselves against, uh, against armored assailants. Now, to put on – then like on the other hand, for me, I don't even care. Like I, I wouldn't – I don't really feel a need for, for armor penetrating ammunition myself. Uh, that's really not the point. The point is the government in, is ensuring for itself a technology that they would deny to their constituents. Uh, and to me, that's just unacceptable. It's uh, uh, it's ethically treacherous uh, for, for any government to deny to its citizens something that, like a right that it reserves for itself. So uh, it's really to make the point. And in fact, at the end of the day, I think, at least in the short term, the... Most people that buy this will only be interested in it because the government doesn't want want us to have it. And that's what it means to me. I don't really care so much for the, the, the practical uh, market of it. I, I just care that, you know, I, I care about the principle.
0: Gotcha. And obviously I mentioned beforehand the uh, comparison that's made between yourself and Cody Wilson's organization, which was defense distributed. So – I know that you you were mentioning that you've actually been working on this even before Defense Distributed uh, came to an existence. So, uh, to the the simulate the similarities that are made and the comparisons that are made between Atlas Arms and Defense uh, Distributed, what would you say to that? Um, and and do you find yourself working kind of in tandem with an organization like Defense Distributed?
1: Yeah, okay. Uh, there's there's a lot there. First, I, I should probably say, uh, at least to this current. Alice Arms in its current form, I have not been working on it uh since before um before the Wiki Weapon project which was which kicked off, off defense distributed. Oh, okay. I just didn't My know bad. about them. Uh but okay. no that's alright. I just you know, not to steal credit from them or anything. Like I, I just want to be honest about that. Um but yeah, I, I didn't I wasn't aware of them before I, I started on on the, these few projects that our company is working on now, uh, but but I've I've met with them. I have I I don't know a few years now of a friendship with uh, with uh, one of their main engineers, the the designer of the Liberator pistol, uh, and uh, who he likes to stay out of the spotlight, so I won't name him. Um, I've had some conversations with with Cody over the years, and and he's thrown me some advice now and then, particularly for like lawyers. And then now I, I have – I've had some good friendly conversation with Paloma, who is who's now the the head of, of Defense Distributed. Um. So so our our two organizations are are friendly. Of course, you know they're much bigger profile, and uh, they've they have a long string of successes to their name already. We're kind of a, a new upstart at this this point, but uh, I, I think our, our strategies are, are actually different. Now, a lot of people see are quick to see the similarities uh, between us, and I, I think that there are. They've certainly shown a lot of um, I don't know g- good strategy uh, and some some critical intuitions in in kind of having this. Uh, this libertarian battle over over gun rights and and the rights uh, to speech uh, involving guns, um, but so so you know our strategy is again like like I said we're trying to obsolete the the technology that is described by the regulations. Uh, Alice Arms is very much like reaching for a higher technology so that. It will be like literally impossible to enforce uh, gun control in the future. We're trying to to make it such that um, what like the technology described in the regulations is infeasible. So uh, th- that that can be shown in the Dagny Dagger project, where we take you know the government says this is what it means for ammunition to be armor piercing and then we say sure but we can pierce armor this way and then all of a sudden all that regulation just is obsolete and and doesn't bind us uh, in the real world really quick Um,
0: i just have a question to that so what happens when the government looks at your product in the Dagny dagger and they say okay well here's what this product is made out of or the 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 substance like this product and we're just going to pass legislation that now would would encompass that
1: yeah, i i can i can address that too. If you will allow me to just kind of like finish. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, go ahead. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but you know, Defense Distributed, I I think that their strategy is is along different lines. Um, right now they take up like a very, um, I mean, they're involved in lawsuits, which is something that that I can't get into uh they're very fortunate you know to to head into bitcoin uh, before the explosion right so they have plenty of funding to chase that stuff now on a good platform uh we we won't be involved in any lawsuits and i think most of what they've done especially under the direction of Cody is just kind of i mean being the postmodernist uh or well at least the postmodern thinker that he is he just kind of he views the the battle the current battle of gun control in its in its current terms uh, and wants to win that. so he's not exactly concerned about you know what will the future hold um, but they're very much about okay, how can we how can we take the arguments like these canned arguments like you you know what both sides of the gun debate are gonna say right now. It's all about AR fifteens it's all about you know background checks, it's all about registration, whatever. Uh, and he's going to show how, you know, that's impossible. They're all about winning the, the argument as it is now. But I like to say Alice Arms, while we're not really addressing the current issues, we're more about the long game. Uh, we're about making like a tomorrow uh, that is free of, of, uh, of gun control.
0: Yeah. So let's 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 do that circle back to, um, you know, what would happen or rather if I'm government and I look at Atlas Arms and the, the you know, the, the the Dagny Dagger project, and I say, OK, this is what makes this product or this this you know particular technology unique. So I'm just going to now amend or, or pass new legislation that's going to encapsulate this new product into the existing regulations. So how how do do you guys look at that and then prepare for that to avoid it in the future?
1: Uh, careful design work, I suppose would be the short and simple answer. Um, I've done a lot of work on, on, uh, on this design. Um, the design that we're, that we're, we're using now and we currently favor, uh, and a lot of that design, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, 60% of the intuition that, that led us to this, uh, this current concept um, is that it's extremely easy to make at home. So even if the government bans it outright and it is not legal to produce this stuff, it is still, I mean, it's the easiest thing in the world for, for people to make it themselves. It's kind of like, you know, you can ban a slingshot, but if you tie a rubber band to a stick and you pick up a rock, you got a slingshot. It's, It's that kind of thing. Um, so I, I think that, that there's kind of an intuition well you know ben shapiro likes to say uh, that uh what is it facts don't care about your feelings well <laughs> yeah. neither do they care about legislation so it doesn't matter what what they you know what the the rulers write on paper as long as you know it's it's so easy to make this that that they can't enforce it so that's one thing but then there's also I have to be tight lipped about it. And that's, that's, uh, that's really hard for me because I like to be as transparent about this as possible and it's all open source. Um, So legal prudence keeps me from, from talking about it too much, but we've got a plan B and a plan C and a plan D. I mean, we have so many, we have so much room to evade whatever regulation they come up with next. And in fact, one of like the key intuitions about this project um, something that, like, like one of the underlying points of it, in fact, is that le- the legislators are always reactive. Legislative law can only ever react. And we, as the, I guess, the gun rights community, quote unquote, are always laughing about the ridiculous and terrible understanding uh, of, of gun technology that the regulators have. You know, we laugh at them for saying clip instead of magazine, Oh, you know, it shoots, you know, eighteen thousand clips per second, or you know, like, like all these things they say, they have like no idea. Right. Well, that's one thing I want to point out is these rulers sit in this room and they just like debate stuff all day. They have no idea how the real world works. And meanwhile, the inventors, the innovators, the creators, the workers. Of this world that actually make things happen, uh, you know the artists, the engineers. Um, we kn- we know the way the world works, and we will always be a step ahead of them. So they can react and ban it this way. Well, we'll just be agile on our feet and change it again. Uh, so mm. so I I I would offer that. Um, I think it would they would have to chase us down with more like you know regulation after regulation before they're actually able to pin us down and even when they do yeah so what you said it on paper but people can still make it if they want
0: yeah and we're we're already seeing the uh, the change in in just the advancement of technology that government just can't keep up which for libertarians we're all you know we're cheering and for government they're they're you know yeah. shrieking and trying to 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 again play catch up but they, it's it's advancing too fast and obviously with yeah. with what you're doing over at Atlas Arms uh, with with defense distributed also looking at things like uh, library.com from um, you know, from, from those type of blockchain technology organizations, uh, it, it's becoming more and more uh, seen throughout, you know, not only the United States but across the world, where the the technology is is advancing so quickly that government is almost becoming obsolete and trying to defend it. I actually had a couple weeks ago Mary Ruhr on our show, and we discussed this uh, this very thing. Look at companies like Uber who are looking to bypass the uh, the taxi cab industries, like what oh, you're doing, um, over at Alice Arms to help mm-hmm. bypass the gun regulations. It's it's showing that we can, I think, make more headway and we can find more success in doing things outside of government. So instead of trying to simply take over the government and win elections and then try to institute policy that way, we actually can accomplish what we're looking to accomplish through the market and through the innovation technology in spite of government. It's it's exciting and it's actually very refreshing to hear.
1: Yeah, yeah, great. I I mean, I'm, I'm glad you have that point of view. That's kind of where I'm coming from as well. I think if you understand that, then you understand everything there is to know about Atlas Arms' um, broad strategy, I suppose.
0: That's good to hear. And obviously one thing that keeps a company like Atlas Arms going is uh, is people being able to help support you guys. So, um, you know, as we are getting ready to, uh, to wrap the show here in a little bit, uh, if you could give a, a little bit of uh, some parting words to the audience so they can go ahead. Number one, uh, find Atlas Arms and learn more about Atlas Arms. But then number two, if they're interested to uh, to help promote your mission forward, how they can financially help as well.
1: Yeah, uh, well, our website is atlasarms.org. That's not .com, it's .org because we are a, a nonprofit, atlasarms.org. If you go there, uh, you can see our crowdfunding video Um you can, uh, you can read more about the, the technicals and the intuitions of the project, uh, of the Dagnia Dagger project. You could read about the company ourselves and our philosophy. You could read about me and the other contributors to the project. Um, and uh, you can even find my email address on there and contact me if you'd like. Uh, I like to be transparent, so um, you know, feel free to contact me and, uh, and we can definitely talk. Uh, my email address is Austin at Atlasarms.org. Um, and then uh, and then lastly uh, yes we very much appreciate your your tax deductible donation um, you know you you can donate to us you can help us out and you can deduct it off your taxes so I feel it's a it's a win-win um, and uh, I mean seriously give away everything you can before you know, as you can before the government takes it from you. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, and to do that, you can um, you can get there from to our crowdfunding page from our website by clicking the donate button there, or you can uh, just look for us on GunDynamics.com. GunDynamics.com is a crowdfunding site that is uh, specifically for firearms projects that would otherwise get kicked off of uh, Indiegogo and uh, and Kickstarter. Deplatforming is like a big thing right now, and um, Gun Dynamics makes it possible for independent enterprises uh, to to work in the in the gun industry without, and I should say, independent of the the broader military industrial complex, which I think is is very important. So uh, go to GunDynamics.com. Uh, there are some other cool projects on our on their their website. Nothing quite as explosive as ours, but. Uh, yeah, please go and, and donate uh, we really appreciate it um, and if you donate uh, twenty dollars or more we we will uh, send you special news and update uh, updates excuse me uh, and we'll send you uh, all of our open source publications uh, in advance of of the the rest of the public and we have some some other pretty exciting tangible rewards for for sizable donations as well so Uh, Yeah, look us up, contact us, uh, give us some money and, and tell people about us. (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's not a a great sales pitch to uh, to wrap up a, a show. I don't know what is, but uh, hey, listen, Austin, thank you so much for taking some time to join us today. And obviously, what you guys are doing over there at Atlas Arms is very important. And and uh, you know, folks, whatever you can do to, to help Austin to help Atlas Arms going forward, uh, obviously we need to to do what we can as libertarians. We you know we don't want the government to get in the way of uh in the way of our rights and liberties, in supporting organizations like Atlas Arms is how you can you can actually put your uh, your money where your mouth is. So uh, with that, folks. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share with family and friends. Also, please head over to atlasarms.org to learn more about the company. Share information of the company with your friends and family. And if you can, again, financially help out uh, the uh, the organization going forward. And hey, if you like today's show and you want to learn more uh, about myself, go ahead and follow me on social media at bnicholsliberty, both on uh, Twitter and on Facebook. And if you really want to, uh, to help us keep on producing this content you enjoy, if you could, you know, do $5 a month, I would greatly appreciate it over my Patreon You can find that uh, also at BNicholsLiberty or search the Brian Nichols Show uh, Patreon and it'll bring you right to the page. Uh, And as always, please share today's episode with your family and friends. This is how we spread the message and uh, really this is how we grow the movement uh, beyond our our own libertarian echo chambers. So please do your part and uh, help us get the message out there far and wide. So with that, folks, thank you for joining us today on the Brian Nichols Show and signing off for Austin Jones of Atlas Arms. We'll see you next week.
1: Thanks for listening
0: to the Brian Nichols Show.
1: My name is Austin Thomas Jones. I'm an aerospace engineer, and I don't care much for federal firearms regulation. As an inventor, founder, and chief engineer of 2020 Armor, I spent years developing groundbreaking body protection technology for fighting sports and learning to lift a hardware enterprise to achieve its highest form. I then moved on to the private space industry where I designed micrometeor shielding for soft-bodied spacecraft. These projects have endowed me with unique knowledge of ballistic protection and body armor, and how to defeat it. The Law Enforcement Officers Protection Act of 1985 effectively banned armor-piercing ammunition after publicity following an NBC primetime special on cop-killer bullets. The government action criminalized the manufacture and import of armor-piercing ammunition, except for use by the government itself, and since then, attrition has rendered the technology unavailable to the public. But I believe in equality under the law, that if rulers are entitled to possess these implements, so are the commons. It is in this spirit that I am working under the banner of Atlas Arms on what I call the Dagny Dagger joined by other skilled professionals, including an advanced materials engineer, a data scientist, and an independent gunsmith, The regulation defines as armor-piercing any projectile or projectile core composed of steel, tungsten, uranium, or a few other alloys, or one whose jacket comprises at least a quarter of total weight. Nevertheless, all manner of materials and interesting compositions are available to the 21st century armor. Which may circumvent the regulatory definition while producing superior performance to steel core bullets of the Reagan era. So, the goal of this project is nothing short of resurrecting to us a constitutionally recognized property right which has been buried in a political tomb for three decades. Initial focus will rest on the venerable 9mm louver, a fast flying and ubiquitous cartridge. There exist a few 9mm loadings which may defeat some cheaper body armor under perfect conditions, but this new ammunition will reliably penetrate all soft body armor at severe angles from short barrels. We aim even to defeat some plate armor while maintaining good terminal performance against non-armored targets with the advent of armor-penetrating hollow-point bullets. After success in this chambering, attention will shift to additional handgun and rifle chamberings, such as 556. We have in mind specific alloys and bullet geometries, but much research, development, and testing is required to refine the design and render the most dependable form. On the way will be costs of materials and prototyping, specialized ballistics testing equipment, a pile of body armor, a truckload of ballistics clay and gelatin, and significant legal fees to trudge through onerous firearms regulation and keep the ATF off your doorstep. Development of this ammunition is then estimated to cost a total of $30,000. Upon successful development of the most effective 9mm loading possible, Atlas Arms will publish our research back to the public so that anyone may manufacture and load legal AP ammo. As a bonus, we will write freely available code for the Ghost Gunner open source mill in the first public, third-party utility release for the platform and the first ammunition code. And as an anti monopolist and non profit firm, we pledge to license all generated IP to other fair market players. Finally, to place these goods solidly into the hands of those who may lack means to produce ammunition, we seek to open a manufacturing branch at an expected startup cost of an additional $30,000. In the post Wilson era of firearms politics, Atlas Arms is dedicated to weapons technology innovation that empowers individuals over collectives and citizens over states. This is only the first of several inventive concepts we will develop to this end. I, and all the many interested in this work, kindly ask for your tax-deductible financial support. I'm not interested in selling you a new toy, but in rendering obsolete this tyrannical law in the interest of all humanity, And I personally appreciate any contribution you can muster for the cause. Thank you.